Hey everybody, Chris here with a couple quick notes. I want to thank you all for welcoming the new podcasts and podcasters into the Since Right Now family on sincerightnow.network. And yes, .network is a new domain. So you can find the latest episodes of You're Killing Me with Jeff and Mick, Addiction and Recovery in Pop Culture, uh, Buzzkill, The Sound of Change with Paul, and Bad Story with Laura. You can find them all at sincerightnow.network. Latest episodes on all the different services. You can find their Twitter pages. Um, so check them out and they'll be coming out with new episodes weekly. I don't think we have solid release date yet for them and we may not. Um, and I want to thank you for continuing to listen and support since, uh, right now, the, our podcast, the one I'm leading into right now. I really appreciate it. What I'd really appreciate, we'd all really appreciate if you like a show, um, if you would rate it, give it the most generous, most honest rating you can on iTunes specifically, because that helps other people discover it. Um, regardless of where you listen, if you would go and, and rate a show um, on iTunes on its page, that would be great. Um, other than that, we've got a, a fascinating episode um, with Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine, who will be our hosts on Saturday for much of um, the proceedings in D.C. at their uh, restaurant, Argonaut. And uh, with that, I think I'm going to turn it over, other than to say... I'm not sure exactly why, but the sound quality is terrible on this episode, and I apologize for that. All right, thank you. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guests tonight, Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine, co-authors of Torn Together. Tonight on Since Right Now, we have Scott uh, Magnuson, and we're using last names, yes? Sure. Scott Magnuson and Sharon Pine. Um, together, as my understanding, you wrote the memoir, Torn Together. Um, and uh, I'll let you talk about what, what that entails um, as we get into it, um, what everybody should know is that uh, as of, what is today, like two days from now, three days from now, um, many of us will be um, uh, descending upon uh, the restaurant, the Argonaut in Washington, D.C. for um, a few events uh, in celebration of Unite to Face Addiction on the Mall. So welcome, Scott and Sharon. Thanks for Thanks. having me. Thanks for joining us. And... Uh, so, can we start with uh, Torn Together? Because that's something you, you wrote together, you, or uh, Correct. the dynamic between the, the recovering alcoholic and the addict husband and the codependent wife. Yeah. Who started that project? So, uh, it all started with writing bios for the nonprofit that we were working on, Restaurant Recovery. Right. Um, we both started writing our bios and they ended up we both wrote a few pages and uh so it was much too long to be a bio so we came up with this idea of why not trying to combine our kind of stories and make a book 
And so in the process, that's how Torn Together came about. And it's, uh, it took us two and a half years. I mean, it was a very difficult process. You know, it's an alternating chapter, but uh, it's a dual perspective. So you get not only my perspective of being the, the drunk addict out of his mind, crazy person, um, but you also get the Sharon's perspective of the uh, what she's seen from the outside, being a codependent and and ha- having to look at me from the outside. Did you guys know each other's story, or as this whole process is coming together, did you discover what she was feeling about this, what you were going through? Yes, and there was a lot of things that I either didn't tell her or lied about right. while I was using mm-hmm. that came out. Um, so it was always a little interesting when I came home and she'd be really mad at me again and I wouldn't know why. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, you've been working on the book. <laughs> like you, you sent her the pages and, and that was yeah, it. Yeah, so, so when we first wrote, like, we both wrote our, our stories and how the kind of book, uh, I guess our parts of the book, and then we sat down and we figured out a way to combine them. And then we started from the beginning again and went back through it. Wow. And, you know, I, I'm a restaurant person, so all my writing had to be, like, edited by Sharon, <laughs> and then it had to go to the editor, you know? Right. So she got first crack at seeing all this stuff. Yes, she did. And those things, and, did she write her stuff and you looked at that, or she responded to your chapters? Or, like Sharon? Just, Sharon? Uh, no, we kind of wrote independently and then put them together. Okay. But timing-wise, it all kind of takes you down this path. That's fascinating. Yeah, and, and, and it, was, it's hard to, it was hard to do because obviously yeah, it's yeah. very therapeutic and it brought up a lot. And there would be times, and it was a process that took a couple years, so there would be times that, that I would be like focused on the book and working on it and Sharon wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be other times where I didn't want to have anything to do with it and she'd be working on it. Um, so it really, it was very uh, very much a long process trying to get it finished. Yeah, got it. Uh, so at what point in the relationship did you begin the book? In the, in the relationship of, actually of yours with your addictions and in, of yours together as a couple? Um, so it starts, so we kind of give a lot of background about how different our upbringings were. Um, and it kind of, you know, the setup with my drug use and how I moved around a lot as a child. My dad was in the Navy. But on the, on the opposite side of that, Sharn, who, you know, grew up in a small New England town and was there her whole life. And uh, just the setup. And then uh, uh, the bulk of the book goes through, like, from when we met and, you know, how everybody tries to either put limits on your drinking or you try mm-hmm. to like say oh, I'm not going to drink liquor or mm-hmm. you know so it goes through that whole side of it and then it really like picks up um, around me actually going into treatment and what it was like going into treatment and uh, Sharon's side of that and then it kind of um, I get out of treatment and it kind of ends there gotcha. and Sharon did you know what, what point did you know, like, oh, my God, I'm famous, crazy alcoholic? Um, 
I don't think I fully knew until the night before he went to treatment. Wow, that's fascinating. Hey, I'm sorry. I mean, before we go on, I'm, I, I knew, hate to do this. Can I can I ask you to turn down your speakers just a little bit, Sharon? I think it's your speakers. Me? Um, I think that we're getting feedback from Echo. I hear a lot of feedback. My mine is pretty low. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> well, that's no actually better. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. So, go ahead. Uh, what was the question? Oh, <laughs> the, night, the night before treatment. The know, night before treatment, sorry. Yeah, you just oh, um, I mean, I knew he was an alcoholic maybe like five years in or something or, you know, a couple of years in, but I, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't understand that he couldn't just stop because I wanted him to. Right. Um, and, you know, he, he did stop for a little bit. Like when I first met him, he was, you know, a, a pothead and, and he stopped smoking pot every day pretty easily. So I just figured, okay, well, this is just a phase. Yeah. And um, then when we decided to have a baby, he didn't drink with me. So yeah. I figured, okay, well, we're fine there too. Right. Um, and I didn't know about, he, he had started taking pills. The secret, um, yeah, the secret. At, yeah, and so I would, you know, occasionally find them, but he would always say that they were from before, like before I met him or mm -hmm. whatever. And I didn't realize it wasn't until like 2009 and 2010 when things were just so, so, so bad um, that you know, I was forcing him to go to AA meetings, even though he wasn't sober, and um, it wasn't really, it really wasn't until treatment that he confessed to this whole pill addiction wow. that I just really had, like, no idea about. Wow. And it was, the, like, for me, I always compared myself to me in my uh, late teens through early 20s, you know, when I was just snorting a lot of cocaine and dropping ecstasy and pretty much did any drug you could think of. Yeah. And my drinking was a was really heavy in my early 20s. I mean, I'd get behind the bar and be shaking so bad. And uh, so I tried, I, when I met Sharn, I kind of pulled it together, or at least could pass it off. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we decided to have a kid, and uh, my drinking picked up again after uh, our daughter was born, but I... I conveniently forget to uh, to stop popping the painkillers that I was popping. Gotcha. And so they Excuse sent me. To, I went and saw a shrink, and the shrink prescribed me Adderall for my ADHD. So I was in heaven for right. all of about a little bit. Yeah. And then that caught up with you. What what was the what was the thing that like I gotta go to treatment? Was there like this thing where you just knew? Well, yeah. I mean. So Sharn took her and ran away from me um, to her parents' house. Mm -hmm. They left, and, you know, I decided I needed to go clear my head, yeah. which, meant, which meant I'd go to Virginia Beach and get fucked up. Right. And uh, <laughs> so I did, I did that and said, okay, I'm done. And then I went up to Sharn's parents' house in Massachusetts and uh, conveniently detoxed off of painkillers up there without telling anybody. Oh, God. So I was popping more uh, Adderall and Clonopin to try to mask that. Ugh. And they so had that was no ugly. idea. No, they had no idea. Ugh. And then uh, the it was a mess. Oh, I, I bet. I I somehow convinced them to come back to D.C. with me, and literally the first night we got back, we parked the car, we went to the bar, and uh, 
I used to perfect this. I thought I perfected a trick where I'd like kind of pour half a beer and then when nobody was looking, chug it. Yeah. And it was like in that first beer, <laughs> she uh, caught me drinking and left with Ara. So I went all in and that was it. You know, yeah. Next thing I know, it's you know four o'clock in the morning. I'm walking around Northeast DC, cracked out on Adderall because I'd started snorting it. Uh. Just I mean, just a mess. And uh, when I finally got home at at about seven in the morning, I said I, I just can't do morning. this anymore. What's that? Four in the morning. Oh, four in the morning. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. was that the last last bit, last bit of using? Yeah, that's the last time I've ever used drugs. Um, I've I've uh, had a couple relapses in the last four years. Um, and when I, you know, the relapse that I have, I always, luckily for me, I do everything to the extreme. Luckily, right? So I just have gotten completely, obligerently blacked out, tore up, and hurt myself. Luckily, I didn't kill myself. Yeah. Um, and that kind of re affirms the whole thing that I am a serious alcoholic and I have no business drinking. So, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how how long uh, do you have in sobriety? Um, So, I I went through treatment in uh, I went into treatment in July of uh, 2011 and then when I got out of treatment I think that first December I had two relapses uh, in that December and then I didn't I relapsed again last August so you have a year year plus yeah not really (laughs) Um, and then yeah I actually I've had a lot of stressors recently with work and uh, the two businesses and end up having a, a serious lack of judgment about a little over a month ago. Uh-huh. And I've since then have been going to AA again, which is something I didn't do for the first four years. Oh, so you did not go to AA, kind of, but got sober and or had some relapses, but now in the program, I guess, or, or going to meetings. Yeah, now I'm back and I'm taking it differently. I, you know, I, when I went through treatment, I jumped into meditation. Yeah. And that was the one thing that, between exercise and meditation, um, have been the things that have really been life changing for me. Uh huh. And uh, I think last, so, you know, stress is just a huge factor. And when I get busy and I take on too much, mm-hmm. um, and the stress levels pick up, mm-hmm. I, you know, I tend to forget about what is important. Yeah. And, you know, you don't put yourself first, so you, then the meditation falls down. Mm-hmm. You're not going to meetings. I, we go to Maine for the summer, and I'm in Maine. I'm not working out. So it's like this sort of slow decline. Mm-hmm. And then the stress builds up. So now, I, I you know, I have a sponsor now, <laughs> which I never thought I'd ever have. Yeah. And... Uh, and working, working a the program, steps. Yeah. working the steps. Good for you. So that helps. It's a yeah. It works. It works. Well, that's good. Um, so yeah, meditation. That's really interesting. We, we uh, did. Did you learn from somebody, or where did you learn this technique? What do you do? 
So I learned when I was an inpatient, I okay. started kind of messing with guided meditations. Okay. And I found that I, I really enjoyed it because it helped slow down the voices, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I really latched onto that. And when I got, they gave me some skills. And then when I got out of uh, treatment and was waiting to go into inpatient or to outpatient and found I had all this time on my hands with nothing to do, um, is when I really started uh, getting into guided meditation. I was using this uh, online site. It's called fragranthearts.com. Okay. And uh, they have a whole ton of, of guided meditations. And then from there, I really jumped into Buddhism and mindfulness mm-hmm. and uh, started reading a lot of books on that and uh, started doing a lot more just silent meditations. Um, so, you know, normally now it's... I wake up and try to get a meditation in the morning for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then when I, we go to the gym after we drop our daughter off at school. And then when I get into the office, I do a half hour silent meditation before I start doing any of my work. That's awesome. That is great. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know um, from my perspective, I don't know if you know my story and I'm just the audience, both of the audience knows. Uh, when I got sober, I, I naively and, and ill-advisedly, I think, um, decided I wasn't going to do AA and I was going to figure it out on my own. <clears throat> and it's only been the last year that um, I, I went to, I've been to three meetings just to see what, what it was all about. Um, I, I don't recommend it for everyone, what, what I did, but, um, but the interesting thing is, you know, not having participated in any sort of, uh, you know, recovery community, and Jeff can attest to this, and this has also come up on the podcast a number of times, about, I don't know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, um, I, had, I hadn't really been maintaining my recovery. I, I was sober, but um, I, I wasn't working on myself anymore, and I, I really um, devolved to a place where um, I just sank into a really deep depression. And, you know, I'm not sure what kept me exactly from using. Um, I think the real challenge for me was basically you know, calling it quits. Um, but, you know, I found this... This effort, this this um, project, has sort of become my my program in a sense, and I've just uh, you know it's helped me uh, help me turn it around. I think it's you know commendable. I, I appreciate um, you know the sort of the the, the can, candor um, of what you've you've been through these past few years. Uh, I mean, you guys have really been through the the gamut of recovery in a relationship, which um, isn't something I'm familiar with. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just wondering from, from Sharon's perspective, like, was there a sense, like, when you wrote the book that this was behind you or, um, or, um, was it, was it like, I mean, I think that's a hope, but I yeah. don't think that's the reality. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. did you go to al Have you been to al yeah. Um, I, I. Well, so when everything was really bad, our daughter was really little, and so and I was a stay-at-home mom. So um, I found a lot of online Al-Anon meetings yeah. and cool. uh, a wonderful Al-Anon Twitter community. Uh, I only went to a couple of face-to-face meetings. Um, so I did do Al-Anon pretty deeply. I mean, I never had a sponsor, but I I, I was I was kind of in hook, line, and sinker, and. Yeah. Um, 
I, I also didn't think that Scott could get sober in any way without AA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, um, and then, you know, I realized later that whatever keeps him sober is whatever's going to work. And it mm-hmm. wasn't up to me yeah. <laughs> to decide that it was supposed to be AA. Right. Um, but yes, I did do it. But he's back in AA, so that's good. I know, irony of ironies. Irony of ironies. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it, it caused so much resentment, like, her, you know, with Sharon when I was using, trying to push me to AA. Yeah. And, you know, I had a problem when when I was first getting sober. The big problem with AA for me was that, you know, people could decide not to go to the bar, not have booze in their house, and that's the AA kind of thing. But for me, I had to figure out a way to be around it yeah. constantly. And, uh, you know, that was really difficult. And that's yeah. where kind of meditation and, and trying to refocus my energies came in. Yeah. And I think just like you, like with Restaurant Recovery, the the nonprofit that we've started, you know, for me, that's a big thing to for my sobriety. Yeah. And uh, I didn't do much with it in the past uh, year, and especially over the summer. And I think it shows. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do now is kind of jump back in and and really pick up my game when it comes to that as well. And I think that's, I mean, it's, as a focus for the nonprofit and the recovery sphere, I mean, I think it's fantastic. It, my, my sense is my, my uh, introduction to the challenges of being uh, an addict or an alcoholic in that industry, you know, came from you know, uh, yeah. Kitchen Confidential, yeah. right? right? Yeah. And, I was like, um, and so it just seems like it's, it's definitely a, yeah. a needed resource in that, that area. Oh, um, I, work, I mean, I've waited tables at, at several restaurants. I used to work at a microbrewery. <clears throat> it is hard. I mean, it is everywhere. It's just one of those industries, right? Obviously, you're serving it all night, but then you get off at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning, and you get a shift drink, and you get this, and it's just like, oh, that's a tough... I mean, that's great. So the the actual not-for-profit, what's the, what is the programming, or what's the, what are the things that you can actually... Uh, if I'm a restaurant, can I sign up for something, or what, like, ultimately, what's the, what's the program, I guess? So right now, we've started doing... Um... Monday re- recovery meetings, which oh. is just restaurant people. It's Very a cool. loose, loose, small group meeting, more like you would go to like an outpatient kind of checking in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very vocal and open about the whole program just to spread the word, um, just to kind of, you know, the idea is to bring the industry kind of out of the darkness into the light because a lot of people don't understand it. They don't know just how bad the problem is. Yeah. And uh, so that's one of the, the goals. Um, and then ultimately, our one of our main objectives is to get a, a fund set up to help queer restaurant people find and pay for count uh, rehab because, you know, people don't have health insurance in the industry. And yeah. even with the Affordable Care Act, they still don't get health insurance, yeah. even though it's going to be free. Yeah. So, and I, and I think, you know, in D.C., it's the words getting out. People are talking about it, and it's it's really good. We've, we've had a lot of people that have contacted us. We've, uh, I've talked to people that have gone in through treatment insurance, talked to their families, and, uh, and it's kind of worked out really well with some of the people we know. I mean, it wasn't but a, a month or a little over a month ago that um, I ended up flying a bartender to Florida to drop him off at rehab. Wow. And it's one of those industries that you, it's such an enabling industry to be using it. You probably, you know, 
it's like a hard one to have perspective on because it's just everywhere. You know, it's just such a, it's like college. You're not really sure if you're an alcoholic or not. It's the same thing. Like you're working, you're a bartender or whatever. It's just every night, right? Well, and you can, yeah, and you can always find somebody worse. Yeah, so it's hard. Totally. There's, the bottoms are so low because, right. you know, you can compare yourself to anybody and be like, I'm not that bad. Look at this person. Yeah. Look at, look at my six regulars who are in, right. The guys, you know, that you're serving every night. And not even alcohol. I mean, yeah. late at night, you're at the bar, and that's where all the drugs are at anyway, because, you know, who goes to bars yeah. at 1 in the morning? Drug yeah. dealers. So, Sean, I'm curious, when you guys met, did you drink socially? Did you guys go out and drink a lot, and it was just one of those things you did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you, you know. <laughs> that's it, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't drink as heavily as as scott did until i met him and then i you know it's a very seductive life right you're like um, holy cow this is awesome yeah it's a great big party right. but i always I, you know i was going through a tough time in my life and i just kind of figured that everybody was going through a tough time in their lives and then they would like you know stop drinking so heavily when they had gotten themselves together right. um and so i was like kind of done with the whole scene of you know staying up to all hours and you yeah. know just drinking ridiculous amounts of alcohol and mm-hmm. and you know just ready to be done with it and <laughs> nobody else was and I it right. wasn't until then that I started realizing oh, wait, it's different in a restaurant <laughs> yeah did you work in the industry no no I didn't until then like, okay yeah so we met um, the I first met yeah we met the first almost like the first day we op- the Argonaut opened it was the maybe the second or third day so that's just been over 10 years now. Wow. And the restaurant has been a spectacular success. The well, it's, yeah, it's still thing, open. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> any restaurant that makes it a year is a success, much less 10 years, right? That's like a part yeah. of the institution. And the restaurant's got a, you know, we talk about the restaurant a lot in the book. It's a character. Yeah. Um, we went through a lot of hardship with it in the first few years. I mean, we went through a devastating fire. Wow. Um, we were the first place open in, in a neighborhood um, that really hadn't had much done to it since uh, the riots uh, in 68 uh, decimated it. So um, it, it was a difficult time, um, and we had a lot of very interesting stories happen. So um, it became kind of a key part in the book because we, you know, we talk about that and we talk about the industry as a whole. And what it's like working in a restaurant, and just how easy it is to get drugs, and yeah. you know. You know. Can, so you know, knowing those things about the industry as we're talking about it, did 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 you ever consider when you got clean, when you got sober, um, getting out of the industry? You know, it's scary because when I was in uh, treatment, they told me I could never work in a restaurant again. I would wow. have to find a new job. And, and it's, you know, it's scary enough going into an uh, inpatient treatment facility yeah. with them having to tell you that. And that's all I know. I mean, I started in a restaurant when I was 14 years old. Yeah. And, uh, and it was scary. And that, you know, that's one of our things with rest- restaurant recovery, too, is we want people to know that, yeah, you can't stay in the industry. Yeah, you can make it. And you can make it and have a very rewarding and successful life and not use drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was one or of the even points. It, yeah. Let's change the industry. Right. Does that impact so, in any way, like hiring? Or, I mean, do you, do you think about that? Like, yeah. I took over hiring when Scott went to treatment. Okay. And um, 
yeah it's kind of a brutal process for people who are <laughs> applying right. and I kind of uh, um, grill them for about 30 minutes I don't even smile I ask you know all these super serious questions mm-hmm. I tell them we have a drug free workplace policy which of course now we do right. um, and you know we don't offer shift drinks we have you know there's no drinking on the job right. um, and um, you know that was a big change yeah. it took about a year to cycle through all the staff who were with us before who really wanted the party. Yeah. And it took about a year to find a whole new staff. And, and you know, I, I wasn't sure we were going to be able to do it. Like, I wasn't sure we were going to mm-hmm. be able to find any uh, uh, people who wanted to work in a restaurant without using drugs mm-hmm. or alcohol while they're working. Um, but we have them. We have a, a great, great team. Yeah. Is your team better today than the sober guys? Oh, yeah. Sober team? Well, they're not sober, but yes. Right, they right. Don't but use they're mostly work. sober, right. Yeah. <laughs> sober they're for the restaurant. under the influence at work. <laughs> and and we've, we've managed to retain staff, too. So, right. That's good. you know, we've, got, we've had a lot of our managers in our kitchen. I mean, we've had people with us for five, six, seven, eight years That's now, great. which you just don't hear about in the industry. Yeah. And what's interesting about this? When dirty... I put an ad out, oh. go ahead. Oh, I want people to, like, want to work for us because they want to work for us right. not because they want a restaurant job and um i think that that shows in the in the hiring process and in our end result like you know with our customers i think it shows that we have um a team that takes their job seriously yeah that's awesome, that's awesome. when uh, at the peak of my using and drinking career uh, without a doubt, the person that served me more alcohol than anyone ever was uh, a guy who had like six years sober. He was a bartender at uh, my fa- my after hours bar, the one that shut down at six in the morning um, or four in the morning in Illinois. That's and funny. I just thought it was fascinating. At I think Pops. It could, at, uh, no, at uh, yeah. the yeah, Pops. Pops. Which just to me was you know astounding at the time. I could not fathom how somebody could be a bartender and not drink. Yeah. But uh, it's difficult. Yeah, I, I mentioned it is. Uh, yeah. I, I, well, it's funny because both Chris and I and Matt, we, we were all got sober and worked in advertising. Our clients. I mean, I've worked on every liquor and beer brand, so we were around it all the time. It's not quite the same as being in a bar every night no. and having that smell on you. And that, I mean, it's you know. Just so readily available. Although our, our first job, certainly my specifically yeah. my first job was after I got sober, was an advertising agency. My desk, this agency was a huge agency. Yeah. We had like a fully stocked, full uh, carved wooden bar, yeah. like as nice as any bar in any any, any restaurant it's anywhere. Just still there, yeah. and, I, and my my desk was thirty feet from it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so it was sort of trial by fire, but but before that, the trial by fire was my I come from a family. My dad was in in the beer business. He was with AB, and my mom and stepdad are wine importers, and uh, so it's sort of in my blood, yeah. literally and figuratively. Yeah. And uh, but what well, you know, it's great about it is no matter what you can do it. I mean, it can yeah. be done. Um, and I I think probably people in industry like that's just one of those things. Like I'm never going to be able to be sober and work at a bar, right? Or you just think that. It's just another reason not to get sober or another reason not to try. But yeah, you guys are proof that, yeah, you can do it. You totally can do it. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean... I guess it's all about the mindset and how you look at it. And the one thing that I had to do was get out of the it's a party, fun time mindset to, hey, this is 
a work environment. It's serious. This is my how I make my living. Yeah. And so. So, so this recent this recent uh, stint back at AA, do you, is, does this feel like a, a market shift? Like you're surrendered. You're totally like it. Feels feels like you were resisting the program as as we all do when we first get there. Does this feel like man? I'm surrendered. I'm in this thing. Yeah, I don't. You know, I think it's just that I'm, I'm much more comfortable with who I am now, yeah. and I can go into a meeting and I'm more comfortable with what people have to say, even though I might not agree with some of it. Yeah. Um, and I think I found some meetings that I like, and it's, yeah, DC's full of. I meetings. think it was. It's different than it was four years ago. I think there are more people that he knows in treatment. Mm-hmm. Um. Or in in recovery now. Yeah. So before he didn't know anybody, he couldn't relate, and now you know he goes to a meeting and he knows people there. Right. Um, I think that's one thing, and I think this latest relapse was just really, 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 really bad. And um, you know, our daughter didn't remember stuff from before, but she will remember this one, and I think that's a yeah powerful you know powerful motivator. Yeah. I hope so. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I, I hope so too. I mean, you know, we all want uh, all of us to to be happy, healthy, and, and you know, living the life we can live, um, not the one that sort of is dictated by our, our you know addictions, right? Yeah. Um, so, do you, do you have a do you have like sober friends? Do you do that things outside of of the rooms or outside of um, restaurant recovery? Just. <sighs> I have a we have know a few people that I guess we would hang out with that are sober, um, but you know there's just with we have so much that we do sure. that uh, it's hard because yeah. we just don't have time. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I know. You guys are like, I read your. I'm like, man, these two are busy. <laughs> yeah, two businesses and doing this not for profit. What's on, what's on the agenda for this weekend? What do you, what's like? What's going on? What's the program? Uh, so, well, I mean, we know Saturday, There's so a, Saturday. Saturday, I know, which is going to be exciting. So Jake's reading and sort of panel, Yeah. right? And then it leads into a dinner and leads into a fundraiser, right? Correct, it's yeah. Sort of, it's like a, a, a day at the Argonaut, or at Argonaut. Is there a the in front or just Argonaut? It, it, there's a lot of different There's ways. a the. Okay. <laughs> um, I just I'd hate to get it wrong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm bringing a sleeping bag so I can nap in between uh, events. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then are you, are either one or both of you or all three of you going to uh, the mall on Sunday? Yeah, uh, Sean and I will be down there. We're actually going to be speaking in the author's tent. Oh, fantastic! I think uh, between one and one forty-five. Nice. Okay. So we'll be speaking and doing a book signing. I think you mean terrifying, but okay. Yeah. It's great. Wait, it's terrifying? Is uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, I understand that. Um, I'm an addict. I'm shameless. So right. Sharon, Sharon cares what people think. I, I do not. Shame. Yeah. Well, no, I, I get that. I'm the, the socially anxious introvert, as all the listeners know. Um, yeah. But, uh, well, that's cool. So yeah. you're going to be there for a bit and then... You know, uh, I guess 
enjoy the thing, enjoy what's going on. Um, and I know we, we've talked about rain just to, to get off the, the heavy stuff and talk about weather for a minute. But I was just looking, and it looks like, um, and it's specifically because it's the last episode before we go, um, you know, it looks like by the time things start, it's less than a 50% chance of rain. So it's all be um, okay. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, we'll be fine, you know, yeah. and I think that, you know, with having so many people in recovery down in one place, it's yeah. kind of throwing Mother Nature for a loop. <laughs> so that's why we're just going to get pummeled with the hurricane on Monday. That's right. Perfect. We'll do our higher I mean, power it's dance. It's like, yeah. it is, the gods are looking down and right. going, what in the hell? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's so, yeah, just you guys t- talking about uh, writing this book, was there any regrets you know, just thinking about, like, are there any regrets now that you've written this thing that's out there? Does anyone, like, uh, or do you guys, like, this is was a great experience doing that, writing the book? Um, I try not to think about it. Okay, that's <laughs> what I was wondering. Because it's, because why? Like, it's because it's just out there or because it's, to be Well, it's brutally you. honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is, it's blunt and honest and, yeah. you know, I've always been very open about my struggles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, my, my reason being is that you can't stigmatize me if I'm the one making jokes about it to begin with. Right. So if I take that pressure off the table, you know, nobody's going to be able to talk behind my back about it because, like, no, I really don't care. Yeah, you don't. You know, and if it helps somebody else and it helps other people in the industry, then you know, I think it's important and it makes it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the the kind of book that I would have loved to have read when we were in the in the Frozen in the all. middle of it. Yeah, yeah. So that was your motivation. To, yeah, to it's the kind of book that I want to be able to to give to somebody when they mm-hmm. call me. Yeah. Um, so that they know they're not alone. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's so much. Um, well, and that, that's what's encouraging about you know we keep talking about recoveries having a moment that it's sort of finally. Um, getting you know above board everything's coming up and being put on the table to help people understand what exactly is going on what this means to um you know have a substance use disorder to you know need to recover from it and how to recover from it um because you know again even from my own perspective a big part of what prompted me to start this project was uh, not having the tools that things like aa or even smart recovery or, or whatever any, anything outside of my own um you know, whatever I, I could learn on my own uh, to guide me when confronted by family members and friends having issues. Um, I, I didn't understand why they couldn't do what I did and I couldn't didn't understand how I could help them. And, uh, you know, it was pretty frustrating. You know, Matt, uh, you know, our third co-host, um, who's now going on two years, you know, he had had a, a terrible crash all the way to the bottom and literally lost everything. Um, and, uh, it was just, um, it, it was, uh, staggering for me because I couldn't figure out why I couldn't help him. And, uh, and, you know, I have family members as well that, that, uh, posed a challenge for me. But, um, you know, I, I think, again, you know, the, the, the candor that you two show or, or the generosity, quite frankly, of doing something like this, whether or not it feels that way to you, um, I think is, is, you know. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they say experience is something you get just after you need it. Well, this, you know, let, hopefully let somebody else not have to, to go through yeah. <laughs> through it necessarily. So, um, 
you know. No, and you know, the amount of people that have come up to me, like, in our community <laughs> that I would have never known. Right. Yeah. That uh, either are in recovery or, you know, quit drinking or or the book has helped. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah. Do you guys serve a lot of mocktails at your bar? We have a bunch of non-alcoholic choices. Good. We actually create some good mocktails for good. the event on Saturday. I'm, I need a bar with a lot of good mocktails. That's that's my thing, man. Because I don't like it. They don't have any beer. They don't have mocktails. I'm like, come on, people. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, right. Is there? I mean, uh, is there anything else? I mean, is there anything you you two? You know, one, that we didn't get to that you yeah. guys want to share that you guys wish we talked about. Burning desire. Either of you collect copies. <laughs> um. Do you have any burning desires? Uh, no, you know, I don't. I think that if, yeah, if people are going to be in town, that it's going to be a fun uh, weekend, rain or, right. or shine. It doesn't matter. I think you just get a lot of people together and and it'll be fun. Well, and if nothing else, uh, it's it's live streaming, so we'll just all come back to Argonaut and watch it from inside. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's it's incredible for you guys to host this thing, and we're incredibly excited to come out and meet you both. Yeah, I look forward That'd to be it. Be great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you two for uh, joining us, and uh, we'll see you in a few days. See you Saturday at your house. Right. Yeah. Saturday, yeah, perfect. We'll see you. <laughs> Are you guys are coming from where? Chicago? Well, uh, we're coming from uh, St. Louis. Um, St. Louis, okay. Uh, yeah, the, the three of us are, are transplants that are all ended up in St. Louis working in the advertising industry. Um, gotcha. St. Louis bars don't close till 4 a.m.? No, Illinois, across the river. East St. Oh, okay. Louis. East, East That's a whole other world. There's like, this, uh, there's like a, a warehouse club chunk of stuff. Yeah, I think they close for one hour. Yeah. Like between four and five. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, yeah, I, yeah, anyway. That's another episode. <laughs> the east side. Yeah, it really is. It's yeah, an episode it's unto an itself. Um, we'll do it sometime. But, uh, all right, well, thank you, too. And, uh, yeah, we're, we really can't wait to, to uh, see you. Yeah, it'll be great. To... All right. All right. Thanks so much thank for having you. us. Yes! Oh, I like it. Another clean and sober intervention.